And, uh, in, and then in, in 2010, uh, the Neymar staff reached me out uh, to check if I uh, uh, could work as a consultant to help them to create their website platform. Wow. And then uh, we had some conversations and I said, hey, that is a something, there's something new happening in the United States. That is a new wave, which is, they call social media, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, it's happening there. I think it's the next big thing that it's going to happen on internet here. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Sporting Global Podcast and today I'm here with Dayan and Dayan, first of all, thank you for taking the time and how's, how's everything going these days? Hey all, nice to talk to you, I appreciate your invitation to participate here, it's amazing to be connected with you guys, uh, everything's fine, I'm in Sao Paulo right now, Brazil is studying everything now in football yeah. and sports and uh, things are starting to get warm and uh, <laughs> It's good to be back on the on the pitch and uh, see people enjoying the show again, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, you know, thanks. Thanks for taking the time. I mean, like you're you're the guest here. You know, it's a uh, it's great having you here. I mean, like you have a lot of experience. We're going to dive on a lot of the cool stuff that you've been working on during the years. And I mean, like, as you were mentioning, too, it's good just, you know, being back into a little bit of a normal, normal lifestyle, you know, things are, people are going to games, things are, you know, happening, like you, you can meet people <laughs> and all this, all this good stuff. And, uh, and yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I know the feeling. And I guess like, you know, from a, a Brazilian, I guess, football season, like when, when is it like now the time around the time it starts? Like, sorry if I <laughs> don't, don't know all the insides there. <laughs> No worries, no worries. But it's it's a uh, it's amazing because the, the the subject here is to speak for the people who is looking to to work on the, the sports uh, industry and uh, sports is related to entertainment and people. So we need people every day. And the people who is looking to participate on the on the games in every sports, they are looking for uh, reasons to to cheer, to have fun. And uh, this is sales, this is marketing, this represents what we do. So right. it's good to be back, you know, <laughs> this from a marketing and commercial standpoint, you know? Oh yeah, no, for sure. It, it definitely is. And I mean, like, I think it, in that case, it just, you know, I think it's important to just start a little bit about talking a little bit about your journey, you know, like how, how did your journey in the sport industry begin? Take us a little bit through, like, I guess, your passion for sports, like how it all started and a little bit your, your progress into, uh, you know, where you are today. So I started my career in uh, 2001, uh, but uh, trust me, I started working for uh, insurance companies. I was working for Marsh and McLennan companies, one of the largest uh, insurance and risk companies in the world. And right. uh, I stayed there for five years. And that was my my background, my major background in business, yep. because I learned everything I should know about marketing, about process and about sales, you know, about uh, strategy, planning. Uh, I did a lot of e-learning course during the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was my, my, my big university. And uh, but I realized uh, at the end of the, the very five years that I was there, 
that I, I was losing my time working for a multinational company of insurance. That was, that was yeah. far from being my, uh, I don't know, my personal goal. Because right. I, I start to grow in sports. I play football. I, I did jujitsu, Muay Thai, and uh, I was always training, you know, doing exercise. And I stopped everything just to work. And yeah. I was becoming an account executive and, you know, a businessman. And uh, <laughs> shit, that's not what I want. I, I want to come back to do what I love. Right. So right. I leave the company and I start to work uh, with sports uh, in a sense that I could help athletes, you know, yeah. to pursue their dreams. I said, with the, 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 learnings, the learnings that uh, I had in March, give me the, the strength that I, 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 I need uh, to start to build my own company. Yeah, and yeah. I start to work as a consulting, uh, connect with uh, athletes uh, right. to help them to, to achieve, I don't know, sponsorship, to help them to manage their image rights, to help them to manage yeah. their endorsement deals, you know, to help them to have a better uh, sports contract. And I right. start to work not as an agent, but more like a, a consultant. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And I stayed there for like five years, yeah. Uh, working with uh, some of the major uh, Olympic athletes in Brazil. Nice. Uh, so in 2010, uh, actually in 2009, I started to to understand more what the NBA started doing with the social media. So I started mm. to research the move that I NBA uh, were doing uh, using uh, the Twitter to disclosure the games, to disclosure the, the partnership yep. with Ticketmaster to sell the tickets for the playoffs. Right. Uh, NBA, NBA in 2009, they, they start to do a movie which, is, which was amazing, which is the, yeah. they, 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 they wait until the end of the match, okay? So the game, at the very end of the, the game, uh, NBA post on Twitter the link for the fans uh, buy the ticket online uh, on Ticketmaster. Mm. So that was a brand new strategy because right. 2005, 2006, 2007, uh, if you're a, a, a event producer, you have to disclosure through the, the, the traditional channels on media. You know, yeah, yeah. that's the, that it's the, the way that I, you, you found the information. Right. And uh, NBA changed the game using Twitter to disclose that. Yeah. And I start to look at, wow, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine what a, a, an athlete could do if it, the athletes start to, to use Twitter to communicate with people? Right. And I saw that uh, NBA had more than 100,000 uh, followers on Twitter. And I say, hey, wow. they have their own media platform, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. They don't need to buy media. They can, com they can communicate itself. They have the power to control the communication. They don't need the press. They don't yeah. need to buy media. That's amazing. Yeah. or change the publicity. And, uh, in, and then in, in 2010, uh, the Neymar staff reached me out uh, to check if I, I could work as a consultant to help them to create their website platform. Wow. And then uh, we had some conversations and I said, hey, that is a something, there's something new happening in the United States. That is a new wave, which is, they call social media, it's Twitter, it's Facebook, <laughs> and uh, it's happening there. I think it's the next big thing that it's going to happen on internet here in yeah. Brazil and the world. I'm, I'm seeing that uh, things are going to change. Websites right. is not going to be the future. It's just the past. Yeah. And uh, they love the idea. You know, nice. Neymar father, the yeah. Neymar junior, uh, 
Uh, also, Wagner Ibering Jr., which was the, the agent, uh, the guy is responsible for his career. Right. And uh, I developed the project and I create the first uh, very 360 project uh, for social media in Brazil and also in the world, yeah. which was uh, the integration between a website platform with the API of Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and also right. a blog platform. And uh, then we create the... The, the, the digital media platform for Neymar with his brand uh, NJR and uh, yeah. that was a huge success you know right. a huge success we had in one day on the launch day more than half million people access the the platform uh, we measure all the the followers every day every every month yeah. and uh, we reach sometimes more than 300 people following Neymar uh, on a week. We had right. uh, a very specific month where we reached more than 3 million people following Neymar, you know? So wow. Neymar did like this and yeah, uh, yeah. we realized that uh, something uh, was have been built and uh, how we can maintain that. We need to maintain that creating content, you know, stimulating right. people to be connected with Neymar on his platforms yeah. and make sure that people are enjoying what they are reading. Yeah. So we start to understand that uh, we should uh, create more videos, more photos, more background uh, uh, information, you know, right. backstage right. information. Yeah. And uh, Neymar, it's uh, Neymar. He, <laughs> he doesn't need anything. He just, right. he's just say hi and start making jokes and have connection with people <laughs> and post things and people love him. And yeah. uh, he's amazing inside the pitch. He was doing a massive uh, work with Santos and that was right. unbelievable. Yeah. So basically that was my 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 start in uh, the, the 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 marketing industry, you know, yeah. in sports and especially in all football. Uh, after that is it's a lot of story. <laughs> oh, that's that, that's awesome though. And I think it's uh, it's a lot of you know key key points to bring upon you know this this story that you have too. You know it's just one as well, you know, kind of, you know, scouting, scouting and looking for, for these new trends, you know, like what are happening in these other, you know, uh, sectors and, 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 uh, areas of this industry, right. Where like, okay, you look into the U S and see, okay, what is happening here? What's the NBA doing? Right. And like thinking like, well, how can I utilize that for, you know, my clients and my partners. Right. And then as you were saying, like, I, I think, you know, having almost like the perfect case study in a sense with Neymar, with the kind of, you know, persona he is, you know, makes, makes, yeah. makes it, you know, a, a way where, you know, he can be himself. And I think people as well, like needed that, uh, you know, closeness, right. And like feeling as well that, okay, what's, what's happening. Right. And I think 2010 was also like a very kind of time where people were like, you kind of shared in a sense, almost everything that you were doing, like on social media, in a sense, like it was very kind of like early people didn't really know, you know, where you were going inside, in a sense, like from a content standpoint, like from a personal standpoint. So I think like, you know, everyone is like sharing everything, right? And so having that kind of access to like, you know, athletes, right? And pro athletes and people that are like really coming up, it's it's a new world and a new kind of environment to, to, to be part of. And then of course, I guess you were saying like, listening and learning from, from the audience of like, okay, what kind of content are we, you know, creating and coming up with in order to like keep, keep the progress and, and success keep 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 happening right and um i wanted to obviously talk a little bit about you know uh you're, you're the founder and director of grupo lx and uh, 
tell me a little bit about the core business. Obviously, you mentioned like some of the things that we're working on like earlier and and just talk a little bit about, you know, the core business for, for Group LX and I guess the, the development of, of the company or how everything happened in that sense. So uh, once I start to to work with Neymar right after he moves to Barcelona, I realized that uh, most of the players, most of the pro athletes, they are kind of lost in the digital world, you know? Right. So I start to, to understand how could I, uh, I don't know, uh, work with, uh, with this, I don't know, huge uh, universe. And uh, I start to study to implement new uh, new formats, you know, best practices, and uh, and try to understand the difference between everyone. Because yep. the thing with Neymar uh, went on in in 2010. We are speaking in 2010. Right. In 2014, the World Cup in Brazil. Even the big brands like Nike, Adidas, Puma, they were kind of lost in the digital way. You know, they are doing right. their jobs. You know. But uh, it was like an amateur yet, if yeah. uh, we do a, a, a comparison with the days today. Right. And uh, I was looking for that and say, hey, that is a huge opportunity there. There is a business here. And uh, for sure. let, let me try to understand and uh, dig a deep more and uh, see what I can do. So I went to Europe, uh, to Europe. Uh, I'm always drive to innovation. Uh, I stay for a month. In in, uh, in 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 France, England, and uh, Spain, nice. uh, having meetings with the, the leagues, with the agents, with players, uh, trying to understand what what they need. You know what what are you guys are looking for in on the digital world? Right. What are your needs? You know what are you what do you 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 want to achieve? What is your goal? Yeah. And uh, I have also some conversations with sponsors. And uh, I remember at that time, it's, uh, at the end of 2014, everyone was like, hey, I want to grow my numbers. I want right. to start to make revenue and I want to make my social media profession. And right. I say, okay, I think we have a point here. So in 2015, I decided to open the, the LX group uh, with the objective uh, to acquire the rights of the the players on social the social media rights of the players, right, right, you know, right. yeah, uh, to create content in order to make them uh, professional also on the digital, and right. do uh, business intermediation with brands uh, worldwide, and also attract business opportunities from uh, European United States to Brazil, and uh, and to offer to brands. Uh, to global brands, the opportunity uh, to promote their services and products under the the influence uh, and the endorsement deals of the the players only for the digital. I, right. I was not looking for the offline properties, yeah, yeah, only yeah. the yeah. online properties. Yeah, and that went pretty well. I started to work with Marcelo. I did. Uh, I, I worked with uh, William from Chelsea for like four years. Uh, I did stuff with Neymar, David Luiz. Uh, I worked for brands as Visa, Gatorade, Puma, uh, Asics, uh, most of the, the sports brands, yeah. you know, the major sports brands. Right. And, uh, and I realized that uh, my, my duty was not to do the business intermediation, but uh, yeah. 
to create the best content, you know, for my clients. Because content was the key. Because the best content produced the best engagement. I have the best engagement rates. I have most of the people on social media talking to me, you know. Mm -hmm. I have the power to, to, I don't know, I have the power to to get the data, you know. And now with the data, I have more leverage over the brands to negotiate uh, the audience uh, for my social media platform, yeah. you know? And I, once I understood that uh, 1 million followers, 2 million followers, 10 million followers produce more media and more audience that are open channels in the world, I right. said, hey, oh, why should a, a, a brand does like a, a 1 million, 2 million contract for endorsement deals, image rights, if mm. they can use that for media on social media. So right. I, I develop a business uh, model yeah. where brands and uh, anyone could start to buy media on social media platforms over the world using the endorsement of the, the pro athletes. Right. And, uh, so that's basically how things become like a, a big wave yeah. on, on social yeah. media. Yeah, that makes and sense. That's, and that's how... Uh, the Alexis start, you know, <laughs> makes makes a lot of sense. I I want to like go a little bit deeper into the social media rights because I think people just need to know. I guess like if you can explain a bit of what that entailed of like okay, what it what essentially did you cover with the social media rights and what kind of elements you know we're going a little bit deeper into this. Okay, so. The social media rights, basically, it's a massive combination of all the rights that we have in the sports yeah. world. You know, right. you, have the, you have your club rights, you know, which is the, the brand and logos yeah. of your club. Yeah. You know, you have your sponsors uh, rights, which is the, the logos and brands of, the, of your sponsor. Yeah. And uh, you have your own image rights. Right. Sometimes your image rights belongs to the club. So if you are a pro athlete, you have right. a, a revenue share combinated with the, the club, yeah, you know? So when I start to, to work with the image rights for social media, I start to, I don't know, creating uh, verticals, you know, right. Uh, right. of image rights, of different image rights, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, what, what is the time that I can post something? For example, uh, if I work with a pro athlete who is playing for the Champions League, you know? Mm-hmm. I know from a business standpoint, it's not usual to post something for a sponsor, a private sponsor, you know, on a match day. Okay? Yeah. Because the match day, the audience belongs to the UEFA Champions right. League. Right. You right. know, and uh, also yeah. for the club, you know, you don't try to compete, you know. Right. This can cause you some, some problems, yeah. you know. Yeah. You have to understand the, the right time to use your uh, influence and uh, your audience on social media to start to promote right. brands. Right. So... Uh, for that reason, I start to understand the different types of uh, image rights. Yeah. So you cannot post anything for a brand to promote anything. Use your uh, your club's jersey. That's a huge mistake. You right. know? But uh, I think 2016, nobody n- ever thought about that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We are speaking about six years later. Yeah. You know? But at uh, that yeah. time, nobody knew about that. So for that reason, I create the verticals to create like a... a, a the rules for the game, you know? Yeah. So the athletes could start to sell their their, uh, their audience. And that went pretty well. 
Right. But uh, we did a lot of mistakes in the beginning. You know, <laughs> sure. we had to negotiate with clubs. We had to negotiate with leagues. We had to understand how things flow. But uh, all the learnings and lessons gave us uh, a, a big uh, experience uh, to become like leaders in Brazil and uh, right. and uh, sometimes worldwide in, in campaigns, in uh, business development, in uh, promotional activations, you know, everything related to the digital world. Right, right. No, it makes makes total sense because I, I think it was important to to touch upon those kind of verticals that you were talking about, right? Because you had to kind of like separate these these kind of elements that people weren't weren't thinking about. And I think it's important for for those that are, you know, tuning in. A, a lot of them are, you know, young coming in and like, you know, just need to nitpick a little bit on, on where these things are. But I, I wanted to talk a little about, you know, Obviously, you know, you have, you know, more than 15 years experience in marketing and business in, in the industry. And if you wanted to talk a little about like some lessons you, you have come across when it comes to the production of digital content and also streaming platforms, because obviously we'll have to go a little bit into that, you know, in, in moving forward now. But if you want to talk a little about some key lessons in terms of the production of digital content, like what, what are some of the things that you've been, I guess, that you learned along the way that it's been like very critical parts of, of, of your journey and, and the development. There's a lot of, I don't know, lessons over yeah. the years, Yeah. but the major for me, it's that I first tried to be the most original ever, you know, right. never copy. This is something that I, I don't like it. I see on social media every day, huge profiles, doing copy of other types of uh, content that uh, bloggers and uh, influencers are posting. Don't yeah. copy. Do yourself your job. You know, that's right. for me the first big lesson. Why? Because once you do the the unique and exclusive content, people will copy you. So that's the big result. You know, that's exactly when you went viral, you know? Right. If you are copying something, you are making something become viral. But if you are creating unique and exclusive content, mm -hmm. then you become viral. And right. have you have to have patience, you know, to try, I don't know, a lot of different formats, you know, have ideas every single day to understand what people is looking for, you know, understand the trends and never follow the trends, create new trends, you right. know, once you become the big one, you know, that's the first, the first lesson, right. you know, always do things uh, that are exclusive. That's the big, the big learning. The other major uh, lesson, it's uh, show the real truth. Never mm -hmm. go for fake news, you know? Right, yeah. Fake news, I don't know, attracts polemic, you know, you know, you have engagement levels reaching right. the top. You know, you can create discussions. Oh, yeah. But it's, but it's not a true. You can uh, right. create a fake information. You can create a fake video. You can create a fake story about something. You can do whatever you want. Right. But uh, if it's not true, it's not working. You know, yeah. once you show the real truth about your life, about your job, about your career, about your family, about your parents, then you are creating a perspective for the people to continue watching you because right. you are telling the story of your life or the story behind something. Mm. And that's what makes your content becomes even 
better because people will be connected to you every single day, you know, right. because they know that is something happened. They know that you have something to, I don't know, to tell them, you know, yeah. you have a story behind it. And that was the beauty. It's like to watch a series, right. a series on Netflix, a series on streaming. It's a, a, a sequence of storytelling. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and that's what makes people connected with series on on the streaming. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Now for social media, that's the something on sports that that should be exactly the same the same way. You know, because for for example, for football, you know, and mm -hmm. I, this is something that amused me is because the the stream platforms they never do that. You know, right? Why you you have a storytelling for people. <laughs> You know, you have, yeah. you have, you have a lot of games, you know, right. you, you play two matches every week. Yeah. How it's possible that a no team in the world is telling the story. Yeah. Only, only Barcelona with the, the Barca TV. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you watch Netflix, but you're a passionate for football. You don't have series on football to watch. Right. Which is, right. which is crazy. Right. You know? Yeah, so, it's probably uh, the most easiest uh, series to plan ahead too, because you know every game that is happening for the for the next uh, you know three four months ahead. But but that's the beauty of the game because right. you you know what is happening inside the pitch. Yeah. But if you want to know what is happening outside the pitch, you, you have to follow the media. Yeah. And uh, if you are a club and a marking on the on a big club, right? Why are you giving the the media the power to create audience over your brand right if you can right. control your audience you know yeah yeah, yeah. that's, no, that that's something that uh that's something that uh on the business industry needs to to change you know yeah. and that's something that i'm working to change because if i have the audience if i own the the brand if i own the players if i own the the rights why i'm not creating content for myself and for my fans and selling that for uh, for media, for brands, and uh, for everyone who's looking to, I don't know, to consume more content. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, and I think I think you're touching upon something very critical here too, though, because I think over time too, and especially like these days, of course, like you know, they are you know trying to be more open and be more you know kind of showcasing the players, the lifestyle, like what what things are happening. But at the same time, like there's a lot of clubs, there's a lot of you know leagues that are very close you know like you kind of don't know what's happening inside the arena you know besides the game and that's that's what we were talking about like you're giving the control to the media to kind of like dictate the stories and and the information that the fans and the people are you know uh experiencing these clubs and leagues right in a sense with uh having you know you kind of shifting like and, and you want to shift who's controlling the stories, right? As you were talking about, like dictating almost like what, what, what the fans and how they're experiencing it. And that comes back to being open and transparent and, and creating the right, in a sense, the right kind of content. If I'm understanding your, your, your train of thought here. Yes, and that, that was the, the basic, you know, that was the, the base of the, the foundation of social media to give people right. voice, yeah. you know? So if you have your own voice, you have the you have the authority, you know, right, to promote yourself and uh, to give the people what they are looking for, you know, right. You're giving them information, and that's the beauty of the business, you know, yeah. because media it's a, a a very related part of the football, 
you know yeah. a big big part exactly a big part of the game so that's something that uh it is still improved yeah. but uh it is still need a, a different uh level of quality and uh professionalism uh, all around the world not right. only on the big clubs but for all the clubs but, but i think i think it's also like one one element too that you're talking about that i think a lot of the new services has been very focused on is you know giving your audience and your users a voice right and kind of like you know having them creating content having them being you know actively engaging right but it still feels like there's there, there's a distance you know between the players the fans the clubs you know the and, and the fans in, in in many ways so there's there's definitely like some room for improvements there and i know we're going to talk a little bit about you know, uh, some of the challenges and some of the best practices coming, coming forward. But before we do that, um, I wanted to talk a bit about, you know, streaming platforms, because obviously it's been, you know, a lot of stuff has been happening there, you know, in the, in, in, in the last few years and sports has been more and more involved. And it would have been, I, I guess, like some of your involvements around with, the, with this kind of, you know, streaming platforms, seeing kind of like the movement that are happening and how's that, I, I guess, in a sense, impacted your work as well with, with Grupo Alex? Well, I think uh, the, the streaming platforms uh, start to become very important for us in our company uh, in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I moved to California to stand there like a year, uh, I don't know, to improve everything that uh, we are doing, uh, but also to study again, you know, right. I was, I was looking for, uh, for the marketing and see there's a lot of things happening. Let me, let me change what I'm doing. So right. I went to California and stayed for a year living in Playa Vista. Playa Vista is the, the new place for the, for the tech company. So the new office right. of Google is there. Yeah. Facebook is there, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, Yahoo, and also all the, the, all the big ones. studios. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that was a, a great opportunity for me because I saw the the change of the, the the traditional TV for the digital TV. So I start to understand how the channels and the big media groups they start to create uh, digital content for TV, and uh, I see. Look, there's something very unique that uh, that's something very unique that it's going on uh, and uh, what 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 is the the difference they start to looking for what YouTube were doing because right. YouTube start to grow from 2015 in numbers which is unbelievable astronomic numbers and people were consume content on on YouTube like Oh my God, I have to go to YouTube, especially the young ones. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And the, and the channels and the media on the United States was looking for that and say, hey, what makes it impossible to me to, to have the same business model that YouTube, but uh, inside a, a black box? That's to understand more about the, 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 the complexity behind the change of the, the traditional TV for the digital TV. Right. And, uh, that was very interesting because I remember at that time, uh, Netflix started to make a huge success with the, the series House of Cards. You remember that? Right. And uh, right. House of yeah. Cards became like a, a, 
I don't know, something that everybody was, wow, this is amazing. You never yeah. saw something like that. You're always watching series and, uh, I don't know, documentaries on traditional TV and right. suddenly Netflix just changed the game. Yeah. And uh, and that was like, cool, that's, that's interesting. Mm. And uh, I started to do my researches again and I saw that uh, nobody was doing anything similar for for sports you know the nfl the nfl start to create their own uh behind the scenes content you know on nfl network uh the youtube tried to uh to launch the youtube tv you know giving people's access on the the major uh media channels right um and uh, i don't know but uh, nobody was really creating you know massive content as we start to watching on 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 Netflix, right. So I thought, well, I have a, another opportunity here, and uh, let's try to build something different. And again, right? Why? Because I have the relationship that I need with the, the pro athletes, one of yeah. the top players in the world. You know, so why don't I start to create content with them just to people to watch? Right. Right. And uh, I think that's that's uh, a key point, especially for those who are looking to uh, to become like a sports entrepreneur so because at that time i start to uh to have conversations with the media channels with the streaming platforms with youtube and everything and uh and also with uh uh, some production companies and uh the 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 production companies they came to me with uh, i don't know budgets that i was unbelievable said hey i'm not gonna pay that to create like that you yeah. know, digital content, you, you, you're shitting me. No, yeah. don't do like that, you know? Yeah. So the price was too high that uh, I said, look, I have, I have experience enough to create content with the players. I have my, I don't know, a, a huge communication background. I have marketing experience, plenty of strategy experience. So why should I pay someone else to do that? Yeah. I start to invest into create my production company. So I create right. LX Play. You know our uh, vertical uh, for uh, for production, and I decide to create the LX Play um, to become the first uh, production company to create uh, 4K content. Okay, only for digital platforms. Right. So I studied the format and I decide to create 4K content just for digital platforms, mm-hmm. aiming the stream platforms, and that was right. 2016. Yeah. So we make a partnership with uh, YouTube in the United States, in California, yeah. uh, to provide to YouTube uh, sports content, especially on football. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have conversations with players to check who was interested in uh, to have their own uh, digital platform on YouTube, right. the content platform. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a, a great deal with Marcelo. Yeah. So Marcelo always be that amazing person. He likes to dance, to talk to, you know, he, he's a family guy. He's a right. very well related player. Yeah. And uh, that was amazing. So we had a lot of conversations with Marcelo's agents, with Marcelo to create the best strategy to create her, his video platform. Right. So when we start to create the, the decisions about the content, you know, the content strategy, uh, I came with for for 
for the agents and Marcelo with a, a idea. I said, hey, right. we have an opportunity to do like a Netflix, you know, and to create yeah. a, a series. What yeah. do you guys think? That's going to be the very first series in the world. And uh, that's going to be something unique, exclusive. Right. Let's do it. So everybody loved the idea. And then we decide to create the, the documentary series of Marcelo, the series yeah. Dozi, which is 12 in, in English. Right. Um, it was a, a 10 episode series, okay, that yeah. are we going to wear on YouTube. And the idea behind the series was, was telling the story, the complete story since the beginning of the career of Marcelo in Fluminense when he was 14 until yeah. uh, the last uh, Champions League that uh, he achieves on Real Madrid. Right. But the difference that the series that we did, it was that that, that was filming in real time, you know? So we did all the historical phases, you, okay? In Rio de Janeiro, in Madrid, we had the interviews with all the players and everyone. We right. create all the content for the, the for the past, yeah. okay? Yeah. But at the same time, we follow the present, okay? So we were in Madrid filming the matches, you know, the behind right. the scenes, going to Valdebebas, you know, having interviews with Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. uh, Sergio Ramos, Luka Modric, uh, oh. Keylor Navas, uh, Kovacic, all the right. big guys and friends of Marcelo, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we spoke to his family, his wife. Uh, we had a, a lot of conversations with Caio, which is his uh, brother-in-law, and uh, it's an amazing guy. He's side-by-side uh, -side with Marcelo since the beginning. Right. And, uh, and we follow Marcelo uh, with a strategic planning to launching the episodes, okay? Uh, but uh, the 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 conception that we did, it was for the last episode to be launched at the very same time at the end of the Champions League that that year. Okay, mm, right. So we never edit the last episode because we could do an episode without the the winning, or we could do an episode if he becomes champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened? We delayed two weeks to launch the last episode because yeah. Real Madrid becomes champion. Right. So we had the only interview with Marcelo after the, the Champions League final. You know, crazy. we had like a, a 20 minutes exclusive interview with Marcelo at his, at his home where he's doing a, a, a trophy tattoo yeah. on his leg, yeah. you know? So, yeah. The documentary ends with the 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 achievement of the Champions League, right? You know, in real time. Yeah, yeah. Nobody did something like that. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. So the results were amazing. We reached more than 18 million people on an audience, wow. more than 100 countries in the world. You know, Crazy. and now we never buy media. It was 100% organic audience. Wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that was something amazing, and. Uh, Real Madrid reaches out, Netflix reach out, most of the, the media platforms come to speak how we did that, and that becomes something very different and new for the for the world. So yeah. then we realized that uh, behind the scenes are the the real deal, right. you know? Right. And that's something that uh, we understood how we could make a, a huge revenue, okay? Because yeah. okay, once we can create you know, high level content, you know, right. then we have the, you know, the recipe 
for uh, for a big business industry. And now you can see that uh, the negotiations for the for the NFL to broadcast uh, the next ten year seasons become something unbelievable. You know, yeah. because Amazon, for example, they are having the rights to create sideline content. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they don't care anymore just to broadcast, you know, to streaming the right. matches. Yeah. You know, they want the behind the scenes. They want to create content to, ha to have people engage on the platform every single right. day. Yeah. You know, they have the rights for one day match, you know, yeah. for one day game, but uh, they need to connect with people every single day. They need people yeah. talking about sports every day. Right. You know, they need people to consume, yeah. you know, otherwise they don't have revenue because they are a subscriber's mother platform, you right. know, right. so they need people doing subscribing. Yeah. So for that reason, content is the key, you know, yeah. so content become the very, very important business of the marketing industry today because right. of that, you know, because the business model changes, you know, yeah. you don't pay more to watch TV. You pay to watch HBO Max, you pay right. to watch Netflix, Amazon, you know, that's the right. difference. And those are subscribed, uh, subscribe platforms. And uh, that's how they do revenue. You know, mm -hmm. so the best the content, the more interesting for people to participate in, to become like a, you know, a user. So right. you understand the link behind the importance of the content and the business behind the stream platforms, you know? Right, right. No, and I think it's, uh, you know, as you were saying too, like this kind of like being the first documentary series, you know, in borough football as well. And I think it dictated a lot of like what you're seeing, like, and it's been taking, you know, these streaming platforms a few years too, to kind of like, you know, build, uh, you know, the different kind of documentaries that you have, obviously Netflix, you know, have the one with, uh, with Michael Jordan and, and, and so forth, right. Like coming up, like, you know, you have multiple, you know, stories coming up and, and that's, that's kind of like built on that, that, you know, behind the scenes, you know, element. And, and as you were saying too, like just having that, you know, final piece and being, I guess, in a sense, tough enough too to hold, hold the content a little bit back to get that outcome of like the, the final Champions League finals you were talking about. It's like a very, very, very critical piece to just make it as close to real time as you were talking about, right? Which is a very important, you know, feeling in this, kind of documentary world, I guess, of the new new generation of what people want to see. Because obviously, you know, it's it's cool, like, going back a little bit, but, like, bringing that kind of aspect back to the to the, to, to, to the current time is seems to be a very critical critical part. And obviously, you, you went a little bit in-depth here, but I wanted to, like, just hear how you feel and how you think that this processed changed kind of major clubs content strategy because obviously as you were saying like you know now team streaming platforms and stuff are reaching out and saying like well how did this happen right what are you doing while you're doing it and just talk a bit about like how that changed their content strategies um i think that the the business for the clubs it's uh it's try to connect with the, the fan base to right. sell tickets and sell products. Right. Okay. So the content strategy for me uh, should be related uh, with the business strategy, especially with the commercial aspects. Yeah. Uh, because 
if you can control the content, as we, we mentioned uh, in the beginning, yeah, uh, you can tell stories that make that make people even more excited uh, to become consumers. Right. You know, if you have a story behind your one of your uh, best players, you know, if you tell this story, if you got on the the emotional side of people, mm-hmm. uh, you can use that uh, as a leverage, you know, to make offers, you know. Right. Have a, a different kind of uh, jersey, you know, a special edition. You know, uh, you can try to create more family packages. You know, yeah. you can create more uh, entertainment activations for the people. You know, you can connect the online with the offline. Right. You know. Right. In terms of strategy, I believe that's the future. You know, where yeah. the clubs they can uh, connect people online. You know. And bring them to the offline to have a real experience, you know. Right. That was uh, something that uh, everyone tried to build in the past. Yeah. But uh, it seems to me that uh, it's starting to have to happen now, you right. know. Because, for example, you we have the World Cup in Qatar this year, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I'm seeing that uh, most of the companies that uh, is hosting the I don't know. Uh, the 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 big uh, fans uh, unions and uh, companies and packages right. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are trying to to give them uh, opportunity to have offline experience in Qatar. You know, you are you are buying content. You know, you are going there to to watching yeah. watch the games to have entertainment, but. Uh, you have your your package where you're be filming. You know you have your experience on Instagram. You have your experience on Reels, on TikTok, on Twitch. You know, yeah. Everybody's connecting their stories. You know, right. But uh, with an experience. You know, you have the experience, and this yeah. experience becomes digital. Right. So, right. This is something that uh, the clubs needs to start to do with the fans. You know. Yeah. To bring them to the stadiums, you know, to make them become even better consumers, but uh, try to to reach them and uh, make them become stories in the digital, you know. Right. And, right. Uh, once you can have your own stories, to make your relationship strategy become more broadly, mm-hmm. you can attract people all around the world to become a consumer, you know, because they are aiming to have an offline experience, you know. Yeah. I yeah. can live in Brazil, but I'm, I don't know, I have access to Barcelona, to Real Madrid, to PSG, right. you know, every single day on digital platforms. Yeah. I engage with them. I follow them. I'm excited to see those guys play, you know, but right. I, in the end, I don't see the time to arrive at the stadium and see the people, the crowd cheering and all the screaming and all the people and all the the music, the sounds, you know, right. the the motion, the goosebumps, you know. Yeah. And I want to have fun. I want to have a beer. I want to <laughs> eating something, and I want to go out and just pass on the story and have a remember of the match. You know, I have my my personalized jersey. I want a, a gift for my right. nephew or for my friends. You know, for my parents, for everyone. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking for. You know. Yeah. So the digital is the best tool that you have 
to 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 connect with people you know right. to make them engage with you every single day yeah you know and the best the story the best the content the more engaged your your fans will be you know right. so that's the key for me in that if you have an international worldwide content strategy it's even better right because at the end everyone is looking to i don't know to have a a a, a minute of happiness inside a stadium yeah. you know a big stadium a big club this is memories you right. know that's something that uh, we always need to to remember that uh, the digital give us memories that are there for everybody to watch you know right. and everybody wants to tell their memories yeah so how do you create those memories essentially you know for for those that are of course like you know there offline in a sense and and physical at the place and then of course online right because a lot of people you know maybe don't have you know the access or the finances you know and or does it time you know to to go to the stadium or, or be in this presence and i wanted to look a little bit into the futures and you, you've been talking a little bit about like you know some of the challenges here and and uh, if you wanted to kind of like think a little bit about like what are some of the best practices and revenue revenue models that you are predicting in the coming years when it comes to these you know streaming platforms you know content uh strategies for for, for the clubs and, and 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 football in particular i guess um for me the the the, the major revenue it's uh should come from the image rights you know from the, right. the ip rights especially you yep. know because once you have the your your property you can uh, do whatever you want in terms of revenue. You can uh, license the the IP. You can uh, sell the IP. You can, uh, you know, you can create different sources of revenue over the the IP that you have. So right. for me, that's the major, and uh, that's going to be continue for the next five years for sure. Yeah. Especially because most of the the entities they are looking now to have a professional commercial commercialization of their IPs. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's something. The other vertical for me that it's uh, it's a uh, it's growing. It's the licensing of content, you know, mm -hmm. because this is different from the to acquire IP rights. But once you have uh, your uh, your own property, you can license the content. You yeah. know, yeah, you yeah. can you can negotiate the license with brands. You know, for branded content purpose. You know, you can license your content for a. Uh, but I don't know, for example, for for e-games, for example, you know, you can uh, license your brand in your logos to create a series of content of e-games, you know, and uh, you can license your behind the scenes, you can license your uh, match day, you can license everything you want, you right. know. So the, 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 the license is another vertical that uh, uh, I assume that uh, it's going to be a, a massive business in the next coming years. It makes total sense. And if you wanted to provide like some tips for, you know, I guess the, the future leaders of the industry, you know, students, young professionals that are, you know, trying to get their foot in the door, uh, what kind of tips do you have for them, I guess? And, and in order to be able to, you know, maybe specialize their knowledge, get a little bit of competitive advantage in, you know, this important field of the industry, what kind of, you know, thoughts and I guess final tips would you give them before we wrap up? Uh the first one is uh, have patience you know things on esports industry it's um, it's slow you have to be patient you know uh and try to i don't know to not be too much 
passionate about sports, especially football, you know? Uh, try to, to study, but study not sports, study marketing, you know, business strategy, you know, uh, legal aspects, you know, uh, try to have uh, specialization, especially in, in communications, you know, strategic planning, to understand uh, digital metrics, to understand media, you know, to yeah. understand the business behind the media. Right. Because for you to become a leader in the industry, uh, it's not only to, to understand the game, you know, you need yeah. to understand the business, oh, you yeah. know. For sure. You're never going to be a good uh, marketing manager or a general manager if you don't understand the financials behind the game, you yeah. know? If you don't understand the taxes implications, you know, the legal implications, you know? Yeah. If you don't understand how it flows, the human resources process, you know, right. behind your uh, organization. So it's the same for all the companies, yeah. you know, football and sports in general, it's a big industry and you need to understand how a big industry works, you yeah. know, how it flows, you right. know? So for me, that's the, the key, you know, you need, you need to be very well prepared as a business uh, person, you know? Mm -hmm. So the learnings that you have outside the pitch, it's very important for you to become the best one inside the pitch you know right yeah it makes it makes make, makes total sense and uh, i mean like it's it's a perfect way to to wrap up this podcast and and uh dayana i would like to obviously you know thank you so much for for taking the time you know for sharing your insights your your tips your journey so a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff there i mean like we could probably you know talk talk for hours <laughs> about all, all of the yeah. stuff and all the stuff you experienced, but we appreciate, you know, uh, all the wisdom that you shared here with today. And, uh, you know, for those of you that have been uh, all the way at the end, you know, make sure to like the video, you know, subscribe as well. If you haven't to make sure to sign up at Sporting Global for free uh, to, you know, connect with like-minded sport professionals, find relevant job opportunities and uh, find some of the best programs so you can keep learning. You know, get get that insights that you need to succeed in the industry. And yeah, I don't know if you have any, you know, final final remarks, Diane. I just want to say thank you. It, uh, it was amazing to have this conversation. It's uh, I'm very proud to, I don't know, just to share a, a little of my experience. And uh, I'll be open for questions. Everyone to, I don't know, if you drop a message or follow me on social media, yeah. feel free. I'll be more than glad uh, to, I don't know, to, to have a conversations and uh, I'm here for everyone who wants to reach me out. Okay. Or awesome. Well, make, make sure to, you know, connect with Diana at sportingglobal.com. You know, you got to create your profile there for free as well. So you can answer those questions and uh, you know, be, be, be part of the, you know, fast growing sports community there. Uh, lastly, you know, I just, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but we have like this kind of tradition on our podcast, a little bit of a challenge to every guest that we do. So I have to teach you a little bit Norwegian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the last, last thing that we do. So all right. With, uh, with every video we do, we always finish with the snuckis which means see you later in Norwegian. So that's what you have to say. <laughs> Can you say it again? Yeah. Vi snakkes. Vi snakkes. There you go. Good job. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, thank you so much, Dayal. And uh, please knock. Have a good day and uh, please knock. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thank you.